0: One small step for man. One giant leap for womankind.
1: 1929. We were formed from the suffragist movement, the women who fought peacefully to change the mind of women. So we proudly still keep up the fight that they began. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about In Our Hands. This is our new campaign that that started in October. Let me introduce the people who are with me to talk about this. First, most importantly, we have Maureen Brown, who's been the board lead on this. Maureen, would you like to say hello?
2: Hello, everybody.
1: Um, And also we have Beryl Hales, vice chairman. Hello. And Karen Moore. Our newest board appointment. Hello everyone. So what are we doing and why are we doing it? It's a very wide topic and it seems very bold to suggest that uh, townswomen can actually save our planet but the planet is in our hands because we can make small changes to make big differences. Let me Start by asking Maureen just to to give us the a little bit of background on
2: why we're doing this. Maureen, over to you. Hello, everyone. Um, why we decided to do it was because last year the climate emergency was in everybody's home. Um, it was the topic of conversation, and it was um, you know obvious that everybody could help. And I thought that um, townswomen could definitely help um, with the climate emergency. We've got lots of experience on previous experience. We've we've actually um, in the past, you know, campaigned against fracking. Um, uh, in the 90s, we um, had we were involved with the Woodland Trust. Actually, funded six different woodland areas. Um, so we have had experience in the past of looking at the climate situation and i thought our members could really um get involved and um on a personal level and at a guild level and hopefully maybe even campaign on a national level that's right um
1: we we started with an article by you in the magazine that went out in october and you are writing well, you've got an article that's going to press shortly for the January magazine and then another one for the April magazine. But this month, that that is January, we will be sending out to all members, instead of the normal newsletter, you'll be getting a climate change emergency edition um, with, with information and some challenges to take part in. But it's because we find it so important. We thought we'd back that up with um, our podcast today. Uh, I think a lot of people have been shocked by David Attenborough's broadcasts. I don't know whether any of those with me saw those. Um, and yes. With, what, what, in, what, what one thing would you say brought home to you? the problems about climate change and the need to save our planet. Beryl, do you want to kick off? Uh,
3: Personally, it's the whole thing about bees, the fact that we have lost so many bees who are our main pollinators. And although Friends of the Earth have been doing a lot to encourage people to grow plants which will attract bees and so on we're still losing them and this month of course the government have gone back on what they said about the use of neonicotinoids and have let themselves use them as an emergency measure on sugar beet which they say is not a flowering plant which is quite correct it isn't but they haven't looked wider at the effect of it going into the rest of the environment how it affects the river system and how it affects the animals who are living near the fields which is being used on so it seems a very retrograde step when they said two years ago we're not going to do this because of the bees to have gone back and without the bees we're not going to have any food anyway Mm.
1: What about you, Karen? What would what would you say was your trigger?
0: I think um, with a number of creatures that are, are being affected by litter and, and um, creatures in the ocean as well, with all the plastics in the ocean. And Chris Packham has done a lot campaigning on uh, wildlife and and litter. So that that's what brought it to me. Uh, Ma-
1: Maureen, is there one thing that
2: particularly got you? In yes, them. it's it, it's the amount of, of waste that we have in our society, I think. I was, before I started to do this, I, I really hadn't thought about it that much. Um, but it's just the sheer quantity of it and all the things that go into landfill um, and things that just get thrown away when they really could be reused or recycled. Um, I think that's, that's the main thing for me. Mm.
1: Mm. For, for me, my daughter has sort of moved me a bit more towards it with the efforts that she's been making. I, 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 clearly, i had been concerned. I've been concerned mostly about the extreme weather events that were happening and the swing in our climate, um, or uh, the apparent swing in our climate, the swing in our weather. Um, and I I can't, I haven't been able to find a rational explanation other than global warming for the changes that we've seen, the wildfires we've seen, the extreme snowfall um, in Spain recently. Um, Some of you uh, maybe as as we're recording i think there's snow around the country at the moment not in london though we rarely get that these days cool. but that's that in itself is perhaps a feature of a global warming but it it really worries me the the pictures of the wildfires in australia last year i found extremely moving and the destruction that's happened there and the thought that this could happen here and has happened with the more fires um, to me is worrying. I've been fascinated by reading some of what Maureen's written. I think it's something that we should be thinking about more closely. We may not be able to do anything to stop the ice melting but maybe we can do something more indirectly. So, Maureen, what what do you think we should be doing at this moment?
2: I I think we should be looking. I think our members could look at their own personal lifestyles. Um, And I think what struck me is since I've started to do this, now I'm thinking about it more. I can see how everything, you know, that maybe you buy or you consume can relate to the climate emergency. I mean, everything Everything does relate. Um, everything's interrelated. And making small changes can make a big difference. Now, one of the um, things that I think is really important is um, the need to get more trees in this country. I mean, we're way behind the, our European neighbours in tree cover. Um, but obviously, it's not just in this country. It's abroad as well. I mean, great swathes of forest are are going up in flames, you know, to clear land for food production. Um, And one of the simple changes you can make, believe it or not, is um, there's actually 27,000 trees per day cut down for toilet paper. Now, toilet paper has been big in the news the past year. It's obviously very important to people and it is important. But there's no need to cut down virgin trees to make toilet paper. You can buy recycled toilet paper quite easily. You can even buy it usually, maybe not at the moment, but usually in your local supermarket. So if everybody just decided, oh, I am using recycled toilet paper from now on, that would be a big help. 27,000 trees a day would be (coughs) saved. And
1: kitchen paper is the same, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And I've noticed uh, at one time, recycled costs more in my supermarket. Mm -hmm. Now it's exactly the same. So it's it's a small change that won't cost anything. Um, There is a company um, called, I think it's called What What the Crap, which is perhaps not the most... (laughs) Uh, but they actually deliver toilet rolls wrapped in paper recycled paper as well um and deliver large boxes of them at a time it does mean you've got to have somewhere to store um and there's no no problem with continuing to buy from local supermarkets but maybe they should learn a lesson and revert to the paper packing yeah. that we always used to have, if you remember. Yeah.
0: yeah,
3: I've been experimenting with things which are from my local vegan shop. And so I now have bars of soap, of shampoo and hair conditioner. So I'm not using a liquid. It's actually a bar. So you use it like a bar of soap. You wet it, lather it in your hands and then put it on your hair. And wash it in the same way um, but of course you know if i don't have a plastic bottle with a shampoo and a plastic bottle with a conditioner in that's got to be a start they both come in cardboard wrappers um somebody for christmas gave me a bar of shower soap again rather than using shower gel and um some of you might know i I experimented last year in trying to grow grow my own loofah which didn't work but i've actually stopped using kitchen mop the plastic kitchen sponges uh and i am using natural loofahs which you can buy for that and they're actually surprisingly long-lasting you can bleach them um so they're not big changes and i have had to put myself out because instead of doing it with my normal shop i do have to walk to the vegan shop to get it but you know it's good exercise but just little things like that i, I you know i felt i'm doing a bit
2: i don't want to use the, the 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 name but the scouring pads with the soap in there's a brand now who's gone back to using a cardboard box all oh, right um, and they smell rather nice. They sort of smell a bit lemony instead of um, the old smell. And they, they can go into the landfill and they will rot down. You know, it's not like plastic. No. It will, it will rot down. So, you know, I mean, sometimes you need that little bit extra power mm-hmm. to scrub your pans. And that's a good alternative for that. Uh, my, my
1: birthday list last year consisted of those loofah scouring pads and um, various other uh, green kitchen bits and pieces. And for Christmas I was given some silicon lids which will replace cling film in my kitchen because most of my cling film is used for covering the pots in the microwave, these work brilliantly in the microwave and in the oven and in the fridge and in the freezer. Um, So I'm absolutely delighted. Probably the best Christmas present I've had ever. Uh, Certainly the one that's had most use this year. Um, and, uh, uh, And so I'm delighted about that. But I'm also using a lot of these beeswax wraps. Do you, have you seen these? They're, they're fabric coated with beeswax and they, you use them to wrap uh, things for the, in the fridge as well and, and in the freezer. The only thing with them is you can't use them directly on fish or meat. But if you wrap the fish or meat in a little piece of greaseproof paper first... Then you can use the wraps around the outside of it. What What about you, Karen? Have you started doing anything like?
0: Well, uh, it, not recently, but a few years ago, me and my daughter were using a tremendous number of makeup wipes. We just had a fad on makeup wipes. She was using putting makeup on for school. She's gone off that already now. She <laughs> but um, so I've started crocheting some cotton ones. At the moment, I'm using cotton out of my stash. Because I've got a lot stashed, but um, I might have to resort to buying some from the local craft shop. But uh, the pattern is on on the Facebook page somewhere, and it's quite easy. But they're quite uh, a lot better than the makeup wipes, which are like baby wipes, not the same sort of thing, wet wipes. Mm. So that's one thing, and um. Saving energy, my husband's always been hot on turning off uh, electronic devices and not leaving them on standby and lights and closing the curtains and shutting the doors to conserve energy. He's always been like that anyway. So, um, you know, we're always nagged to do that and the children are, are pretty good at doing that as well.
1: I think, I think um, a lot of us find that some things come naturally because of the way we were brought up. Um, it was always in, in my family a question of go and put a jumper on if you're cold or go and put another jumper on if you're cold so you'd come down looking like the Michelin man because you've got several jumpers on but uh, you know, certainly growing up I remember ice on the inside of bedroom windows and things like that now I know that most people will have done that at some point in their lives. We didn't expect to have every room heated. It's it's obviously it's healthy, and those of us that are older should make sure that we are in a reasonably are spending most of our time in a reasonably reasonably well heated room. And you should not sleep in a room that's lower than sixteen degrees. Apparently, if you're um, of mature years, because that increases your risk of heart attack and stroke. The other problem with not heating all the rooms is when you move from one to another, it can be a bit of a shock to the system as well.
2: I think it's very important to, you know, um, to conserve the heat that you all have got. So, insulation, just to make absolutely sure that your house is very well insulated, is one of the best things because as Penny says she you know she can remember ice on the inside of the window now that's because they were single glazed most people have double glazing now and that is a really good form of insulation um so just to make absolutely sure that your house is well insulated is the really best way to save energy
1: yeah and there are government schemes um to help with costs um we're not as a We're not pretending to be advisors on government aid. Um, We were hoping that Marion would be able to join us this morning because she's been taking part in a a boiler initiative, but uh, unfortunately, her technology has let her down this morning. The government published a bill recently because, partly because, we are due to be the chair of the climate. Um, Committee on Climate Change the the big COP agenda later this year it's been put back a year Um, and incidentally there are no women involved in the organisation so that's going to be a success isn't it for starters but the government's latest bill talks about more electric cars more charging points um, Reduction in the use of petrol and diesel, using more solar energy and more recycling. Um, And that's all very well. But how do you feel about switching your car to an electric car?
3: At the moment, the cost is too high for me. Mm -hmm. I don't do a huge number of miles in my car at the moment. Um... Shopping is, is the one big expedition of the week because of carrying it back. I have, um, much to um, the upset of my son, I have bought a shopping trolley and he said, Oh, mother, is it tartan? I said, No, it's actually navy blue polka dot. Um, but I have joined the little old lady brigade and I do walk into Sherwood, which is my local shops, and pick up what I can to put in the shopping trolley to bring it back. And that makes me feel not quite so guilty about using the car. But in Nottingham, we have a tram network and they want people to use the tram network. But to get to the the tram, I have to walk to a bus stop to get a bus to get the tram. And to me, that's an awful lot of energy I'm expending when I don't think authority, authority has thought it through properly
2: some lobbying needed there maybe i think um i think what what guilds would be particularly good at would be looking at local transport and i know in my own area the the are local transport initiatives and they're very keen for members of the public to to for their input um i mean we're very lucky in newcastle it was designed as an integrated system and despite deregulation it is still fairly integrated but that's what you need you need an integrated system that's easy for people to use i mean i personally don't drive and i've always used public transport but i can quite understand why somebody who's used to driving would expect a similar service from a public transport as as you would from Mm. driving so i think there's a there's a lot of things local guilds could get involved with in, in their input into local transport. I mean, apart from anything else, it has to be regular. I mean, it, it, I have lived in a lot of different places around the country um, and the transport systems vary enormously between area and area and that's actually not really very fair. it's um you know why should one area have a have a much better transport system than another not to mention a lot cheaper some some really it wouldn't pay you to use a car but Mm. in other areas it's so expensive and that's for people to get to work as well it's not just for pleasure or or shopping or it's you know actual Mm. it's a big input on people's ability to um work um so I I, I think that's something you could look at as a, as a guild. I, I I live in
1: London, so I'm spoilt. Yes. I I worry if there isn't a bus within three minutes to take me to where I want to go. Um. But I do I, I, you know I'm not not totally stupid in in expecting longer distances to take to, to have to wait between. Um. But. There have been radical changes to the transport system in London over the last 30, 40 years with the introduction of an Oyster card that enables you to to go on any means of transport within the Greater London area. It means that traffic levels dropped dramatically in in the city centre, Mm -hmm. as did the introduction of the congestion charge. And we're now moving into... Uh, ultra-low emission zones. Um, Originally, these only affected lorries, but now they're going to affect private cars as well. So, of course, there's quite a lot of opposition to those. Uh, And I'm not surprised, because being charged £15 a day to drive your car into central London uh, and then have to pay the price of parking is really very steep. Um, so I think I think councils can't they can't act in isolation. They need to to work with their neighbours as well to ensure that there is a, a proper joined up transport across wider areas. Um, I don't feel that it's something that can be controlled nationally, because only locals will know in detail what their local needs are. There may not be so many people on the bus route, but that doesn't mean they don't need the buses. Um, I
2: I worked at Age Concern in East Yorkshire and there was a lady came in and and she used to come in every week just for a chat, really. Um, But she said, oh, she was going to the bank to put in a lot of money because she couldn't spend it. And I said, well, why can't you spend it? She says, well, there's only one bus a week. You know, so one bus a week is just—it's just. I mean, that woman was trapped in in a house basically, so mm-hmm. it's very sad, I think.
1: Yes, yeah, uh, that that's something I notice as a non-driver that if I'm visiting guilds that aren't or don't have a local station, the chances of being able to get to them um, in a reasonable time are quite low um, I you know, I do rely on being given lifts to and from stations all the time um, I remember staying up on Dartmoor a few years ago and I, I wanted to get down to Totnes which is the nearest big town and I was told oh yes there's a bus service so I wandered over to the bus stop to find out well it was Wednesdays <laughs> And the bus picked up at 10 Mm o'clock. So, And I was told to be out there early just in case. Well, I was out there early just in case, and it did come along. And it went round all the lanes, and it picked up ladies. And the driver got off to move people's dustbins for them and what have you. It eventually got into the town, and I then asked about what time they came back. And I was told three hours. That was it. That was the one bus a week. You had three hours in the town. Mm-hmm. Um, and judging by uh, the cafes and things, most people had the plan to go and do that, visit the library, go for a cup of coffee, and then go and get their shopping before they got on the bus. The driver was wonderful again. He helped people on and off with the shopping. He then removed the dustbins that had been put out back into the house because they have been collected during the morning um, and, and provided a huge service. But only one short break a week, and that's not going to help loneliness. So no. uh, that, that's a, an all-round issue that some guilds will suffer from more than others.
3: But well, certainly is an evening guild. Um, for the members who don't drive... We have a sort of taxi service after a meeting. They'll get themselves there at seven. But when we finish at nine, if it's dark, uh, then we will, we sort of split into different taxis to take people home because there is a bus they can get. But when they get off the other end, they're having to walk down streets which are suburban uh, and don't have very many people. And it, people don't feel safe. And so, again, that, that is a problem, and we have overcome it in this way. But without cars, that would be very difficult to do.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. Th- I think we're sort of straying slightly off, off the um, – and it's partly my fault – straying, straying slightly away from climate change here. But they are very important issues, and they are issues which it's it would be relatively easy for guilds to find out what's going on in their areas, and who they should contact, and then have a dialogue, a continuing dialogue with the town hall. So when you get the first letter back that says thank you for your comments, we'll give it, uh, we'll get, and give it due attention. That's the phrase. Um, you don't just forget about it. A month later you follow up and ask what's been done and you keep following up until they get to know you by name. Um, You can ring them up. You can find your local councillor. My local councillor knows me by name and actually actually sent me an email the other day asking if I was all right because she hadn't heard from me.
2: (laughs) Every local council is supposed to have a climate action plan. And most of them do have a climate action plan. But the, the thing that we have to be careful about is, are they actually doing anything that that they're saying they're supposed mm-hmm. to do? Are they are they following up on their climate action plan? Yeah. Um, and I think that's another area that guilds could yeah. have a look at, um, make themselves familiar with what they're supposed to be doing, and just, you know check to see if they are doing it or encourage them to do it um and if they are doing it which a lot of them are please you know let's 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 congratulate them on doing it because oh. nobody likes to always be told they're not doing it right um and praise is a wonderful thing it might in- give them a further incentive to to carry on especially round about election time well that that's one of the reasons
1: that um refuse collections get quite a lot of attention um because it's something that's very visible it matters to almost every voter uh so when there's an election year it's it's a great opportunity to to start asking questions What happens about
0: recycling in your area? Karen, can I pick on you? Um, Recycling is, we've got different bags for recycling, big, big plastic bags. And I think that works well. So we've got cans and plastic bottles in one and glass, glass in another one and card and paper in another one. And I think that works well. And I think most people over the years have got used to that fact. There's a lot of moaning about the bags get blown away and all this rubbish. But I think that if you want another bag, you can just ask the council and they'll will, they will send you another bag and they will collect both of them if they're the recycling ones. But what I've noticed in my area, which is getting worse, and it has over the pandemic, is, is litter and the amount of litter that is recyclable. Because we were, um, the guild, our guild had started it, doing community litter picks before the pandemic. And when it was Keep Britain Tidy initiative in October, me and one other lady said, we'll do it for a week. And we went out, because we were allowed then to have two people. We went out and we collected lots. and But what we noticed, we collected loads and loads of cans and it all needed sorting afterwards because we just thrown it into the bag. It all needed sorting. So in future, I think, when when all this is back to normal, we ought to do sort of um, recycling litter picks and, and identify who's going to collect the cans and who's going to collect the, the plastic bottles because most of the litter is plastic bottles and cans or crisp packets which could be collected separately as well just an idea but but it just caused so much trouble collecting it all together because then this lady's husband sorted it all out and that that in itself wasn't a good thing to be doing in in these times so we, we stopped
1: we have a system um which is a normal waste that can't be recycled and then recycled waste goes into uh, an orange stroke clear, which it ch- keeps changing, bag that they provide. Um, and you can put any number of those out a week and then be collected. Um, but the one thing that they don't take is food waste. Um, and you have to pay for garden waste to be collected um, separately. Um, but having the mixed bags, it, it made... It you know, certainly I know a number of people who've been concerned that they'd all just go into the same place as mm. as the standard black bags. Uh and we have one lorry that comes along, but what most people don't notice is that it has two compartments. The larger one is for recycled rubbish because there is more recycled rubbish than there is unrecycled rubbish. Um and That that way, it gets sorted out at uh, a place called Feather's Wharf. Um, They separate all the different bits. And being uh, a very canny council, they make a fortune out of recycling. Um, And what can't be recycled then goes, at the moment, it goes down the river by barge to Erith, to a very large um, incinerator. Um, which is used for district heating, so it's it may not seem to be fair, uh, the greenest way to do things in some respects, but the fact that I like the fact that the rubbish is being taken out by barge rather than uh, along the Thames, rather than actually taking roads everywhere. I would like to see some more emphasis on uh, food waste collections and things like that. And that's probably my my lobbying target. But um, we do have a lot of blocks of flats, and I understand there are particular problems when when you've got a lot of flats and
0: uh, food recycling issues. So, we don't we uh, don't have food waste collection. No, but but if we you know that could be an action for people to reduce their food waste. Perhaps starting food waste collections would you know, make people throw food away more more readily than if, if there weren't any. We've always had a compost, little compost box to put any vegetable and fruit waste that goes straight into the compost bin mm-hmm. outside. So that, we don't really have any food waste.
3: Our, Our council did do food waste recycling, but stopped it because there were just so many problems associated with it. Uh, We have two bins, same size, one for ordinary waste and one for recycling, and they're emptied in sequence once a fortnight, and that is fine, except I find I produce more recycling and more recycled waste um, and sort of have to lean into the bin to squash it all in to get it in, because if the lid is raised, they won't collect it. Mm. That's which is tricky, Um, but we do have something good here. They will collect bulk items free. So if you have a settee or bed or something, you can phone up and arrange an appointment when they'll come and collect it. And this has worked very well because it's reduced the cost of fly-tipping. They don't find there's as much fly-tipping, which was more expensive to deal with than the free collection. Mm. The only thing I have a problem with in living in the city We only have one recycling centre where you take, like, electrical things to. And for me, to get there is an absolute nightmare. It takes ages to get there. And it's not well thought out because there is nowhere to queue. So if the queue is full, you're then on double yellow line. So you have to drive round and then keep coming back, which is not good for the environment when you taking a car and you can't get there on foot yeah so no, if you yeah. were to try, you know try to take something you cannot possibly get there on foot no, no. so that that's the only downside i have here
0: uh, that's good about the the, the no, reducing the fly tipping in bulk uh, collections free of the do that because we have a lot of problems in W with, with fly tipping okay yeah.
1: mm. Well, I I do find that if I put something in my garden that's got metal in it, like my old desk chair or the old exercise bike, it will disappear reasonably quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, We do, I leave a lot of things out on the wall with, this might not work, but you might know what you're doing with it. Please help yourself. Um, And they will go. Sometimes it takes several weeks leaving it out for it, it to go. And that kind of informal recycling is good for me because I don't have a car and I do have a lot of footfall down my road. We have
2: the equivalent of a, of what used to be the rag and bone man. We have somebody who, who comes around on a weekly basis and we know when he comes now. So we leave the... Um, you know, we can leave. If we've got anything, we leave it outside because we know what day he comes. And I'm quite happy about that. If somebody's making a living out of doing that, that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's getting reused. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Do, do your councils take plastics?
3: Yes, but not all.
2: Not all plastics. Plastics is very hard in Newcastle because we got told off. Because we were putting the wrong plastic in the bin and they actually don't, in Newcastle, they don't sort the plastics out. They just send all of the plastic to another waste disposal place and they were getting fined for putting the wrong sort of plastic in. But it's actually very hard to decide what the right sort of plastic is. (laughs) So that is a tricky one. I was
1: one of the people lucky enough to go on the cruise um, in, when was it, 2019 we did that. Seems a lot longer ago now. And I noticed in Copenhagen that they have a ski slope in in the city centre. It's built on top of an incinerator. It it doesn't seem logical, but um, it's the the power to run the ski slope and keep it cold comes from the the waste incinerator in the centre of town. Mm. They, they are quite hot in Denmark on various recycling systems, but I don't think they're perfect. I don't think any country is perfect. Um, it's a question of learning from one another, isn't it? You, when I visited South Africa quite a long time ago now, what was notable was that um, it wasn't the sort of large pictures of rubbish dumps that you see outside Cairo and places like that, but locally rubbish would be picked over and would there would be a lot of reuse of it then. I'm not suggesting that people should go through one another's rubbish <laughs> here. I don't think that that's a, a good way to go down. But it struck me too that we're not very willing to repair things. Some things you can't repair. I mean, you can't even manage to change a plug on some instruments these days because they're they're all sealed units. But uh, do people know how to to mend tears, to sew on buttons, um, to to cut off the feet of a, a worn out pair of tights and use them for something else or you know it's things things like that that um we were brought up with you know you made things last you knitted new pairs of heels for for socks if you had knitted socks um do you think there is a scope for tg ladies to get involved in teaching people how to uh repair bits and pieces
3: I do and I actually think that's something that if people are able to make a video that would be good if they could make a video to put it on the website you know uh, how you do a teddy bear stitch ladder stitch if you might call it to mend a straight tear Um, just something as simple as that if somebody did a video about it that could be very useful or pretty patching because you can make a patch or a darn look very pretty mm. and it would be good if some of our members could help in that way
1: yeah. yeah just thinking back to my grandparents time um very little would actually be wasted because once a shirt could no longer be passed down the line of kids um, and probably the elbows had gone through, and they'd been shortened to a short sleeve shirt, and the collars had been removed, and, and everything. Else. When it when it finally wasn't passable, on, passing on anymore, all the buttons would be cut off, and the shirt would be cut to rags, and the rags would be used for the equivalent of our makeup wipes and and things like that. Um, nappy liners to a certain extent as well. It wasn't it wasn't always the fancy muslin nappies to go inside the terries. Um, but everything would
3: would be really used to destruction. Um, and also well, patchwork, I mean I've got a couple of lovely patchworks which I made very long time ago but they were all clothes my sister and myself had and when i look at it now it's like a memory quilt yeah
0: yeah
3: and again that that's a nice idea because you don't have to do hand i mean i've made a double bed quilt but it on the machine just sewing the different strips together it doesn't have to be this english paper piecing where you're fiddling around with it And, again, that would be an idea, again, if somebody's nifty on making a video, to actually show how to use fabric to make simple quilts. Um, I had one for my son that I made when he was a baby. I used to put it on the floor. um, And rather than him rolling about on the rug where the cats were walking, he had this little quilt that he lay on on the floor which could shove in the washing machine.
0: Well, my daughter has got, well, she's very good at making videos, very, very good at making these because she's doing um, textiles at college and she's going to uni today. And she's, our, our dog, who she was very, very, very attached to, died last week. And we've got all these blankets and clothes and whatever that we're going to make patchwork cushion. So, which will be on the machine. It certainly won't be hand. So. Especially the state of some of yeah. the kids, so I'll get it to make a video. That would
3: be wonderful. The other thing, have you seen where people use old shirts to make cushion covers from? Hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. I've
1: done that with jumpers because if I'm if I've um, had a, a lovely jumper with patterns on the front or something, I tend to go through the elbows and. You know, when when their shop brought jumpers, they're not as easy to darn and things. So um, rather than getting rid of them, they're now effectively pillows. I've just used an ordinary pillow inside and folded the the jumper. Um, It's great, really useful. Look, I think one of the things that um, I wanted to cover today, and I know... We've been talking for quite some time now, and I'm, I'm worried that people might be wanting to switch off. And I don't want to do that without saying, look, where can you find out more information about what's going on in your area? And and that, I think, Maureen, is your local council should have things available. Mm-hmm. Try local libraries, even though the libraries may not be open because of Covid. Um the library service tends to be working and you can order books from them. They will uh, put you in touch with online resources as well. Um, my, my library card will let me into all sorts of national resources. Yep, Maureen? There's a, there's a very good
2: website called Recycle Now. And on that website, you can put in your postcode and it will... It will lead you to what in your area is recyclable, which is a very good thing, um, uh, where you take it. Um, It also has very good videos on what can be recycled, how you how you should recycle things, because honestly, I didn't know that it was better to keep the caps on. I assumed it would be better to take a lot of the caps off, but there's some things where you're better off putting the caps on. So it's got little tips like that on that recycle now um, website, and it's it's very it's got a lot of reading as well. It's not just videos. So that's a, it's a very good one to get you into thinking about what you can recycle. That
1: that's great. And remember, if you're planning guild meetings or when you're planning guild meetings again. Um, the local recycling department of your council has an education remit as well as um, actually collecting the rubbish. So it's quite likely that somebody would be able to come out and talk to your guilds and not charge you for it, which is always a bonus.
2: When I got asked to do this i like beryl started to use shampoo bars soap bars and there was was a lovely young um, gentleman ran a shop where you could go and um, refill all your bottles now he had a very good idea i mean obviously he's used to talking to people now not everybody you know shampoo bars soap doesn't absolutely um suit everybody but he suggested um having um because I was explaining about the guild, he said having a, a, a sampler party of various things, cutting things into sample size pieces and sharing them around your guild and having little bottles of, of their sort of eco-friendly shampoo that that is available for, put into refillable bottles um, and things like that. And I think that's a good idea. You know, it's just... What I mean, he's obviously used to, to helping people. It was very good. He was, in fact, that they are. I haven't been into a recycling shop yet that isn't very good at directing you towards what you need. So mm.
1: that's, that's another useful one. Can I just ask: is it, would everybody here today make one commitment? to making a small change that might ease climate change in the future. Um, For for mine, it's on the question of meat. I have decided that I will limit the meat that I buy and eat um, so that I reduce the carbon footprint uh, caused by the animals. Uh, I'm not going to give up meat and poultry altogether, but I will make sure it comes from good good places um, and I don't eat too much of it.
0: Um, um, I, I'm going to not buy so many new clothes. I try not to buy any new clothes, but I might have to occasionally. So either... Um, reuse, or, or just use ones I've got, or re-upcycle re, things, alter things, or buy from charity shops, but I do that a lot anyway. So, very little new clothes.
1: Very good. Beryl?
3: Mine's to do with my cat, oddly enough. Um, the food that I give my cat comes in foil packets, And I have just found recently that there is a pet food shop which will take those packets. So what I'm going to do is wash them out and keep them and then take them and buy the pet food from there rather than elsewhere and recycle the packets.
2: Great. Maureen? I I am going to do something that... I'm not sure I'm going to succeed in. I have tried to do this before, but I'm going to make more of a determined effort to do this, and that's to compost my food waste, because it is very important. And as we discussed earlier, it's not many councils take the food waste away and if it goes into landfill, it does produce methane, so I'm going to make a really big effort compost my food waste I'll let you know (laughs) well ladies what might you do
1: can you make a commitment please do tell us you can talk to us on our Facebook page or um, uh, and there is a separate Facebook page if you want to use it for Talking Townswomen podcast or use our normal Facebook You can write to us at TGHQ or you can send a letter to the magazine saying what you're going to do for climate change. We want you to share ideas. Um, We want you to just think as well at small levels like what you can do at home uh, to save resources um, and to commit to something for the future. We hope you've enjoyed today and that you've got some ideas about how you might get involved with with climate change and protecting the world. We hope that everybody is keeping well and will continue to do so. And by keeping well, I mean keeping well mentally as well as physically. Remember that there's always somebody out there that would welcome a phone call from you. Um, so don't forget about people that you know that you might not speak to recently. Until next time, please leave a review of our podcast um, with your podcast provider. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating. Um, we want to get name, don't we? And you're part of that. As always, if you'd like to find out more about TG, you can visit our website www.the-tg.com and you can also get in touch via the Facebook page, Talking Townswomen's Podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next episode of Talking Townswomen it's goodbye from me and goodbye from the rest of my guests for, de- for today goodbye bye, bye.
2: bye. Goodbye from the